Welcome to the Painters Today podcast and I'm your host Lucy Cox. This is episode 8, Archetypes and the Romantic Landscape, featuring Tom Down. Originally from Birmingham, Tom graduated in 2008 with a BA in Fine Art Painting from Wimbledon College of Arts and now lives and works in London. Recently he won the Jackson's Open Painting Prize and is currently exhibiting in the John Moores Painting Prize in Liverpool. He has previously exhibited at the Royal Academy of Arts and London Art Fair and has work in private collections in the UK and the USA. To see photographs of paintings and studio shots, follow Tom on Instagram at underscore Tom underscore down and on Twitter at Tom underscore down underscore. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to Painters Today on SoundCloud and iTunes and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 23 carousels. to um, paint um, I, I suppose I create little sort of scenes um, that are kind of made out of, of sort of scrap materials like cardboard and glue sort of create little models that are based around um, the kind of notion of the, the romantic landscape um, not just from kind of historic painting but I'm, I'm interested in um, the kind of romantic landscape as viewed through sort of TV, media, um, sort of film, video games, a kind of more broader sort of, sort of span of it, but there is a kind of a reference to, to kind of historic sort of romantic painting in there as well. Um, so I kind of construct these little, little scenes um, and I kind of light them and photograph them and kind of then edit the photographs and finally kind of create these paintings from these photographs um, of the of the scenes, um, scale wise, they tend to be quite small. Though the newer stuff is getting a bit bigger, tend to be kind of a one to one scale with the the actual model itself. Um, so you know, usual sort of paintings are sort of probably about less than sort of thirty centimeters or so. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's kind of what I sort of do um, in a quick overview mm, yeah, sort of sense yeah. Um, but yeah mm. and um, how long have you been painting from, from these models has it something are the models um, something that has spanned your practice for quite a long time so I think I started using the models um, must have been about three three years ago um, previously I had um painted stuff that was constructed on 3D modelling software on a computer so I'd kind of started to work with that a little bit which was getting me some results but I think the problem problem I was having is it was all very clean it was all very you know if you create something on a on a piece of 3D modelling software it's very kind of crisp and sort of kind of hyper real and it's it, it doesn't lend itself to that wasn't the effect I wanted to get from from the painting whereas if you build like a, a model out of cardboard and glue and paint and whatever you have lying around there's an element of not chance but there's an element of kind of um, it, it sort of starts to break apart a little bit it's not as labored and it's not as clean and it's not as crisp and to actually paint from that is a lot more interesting and Although you can get in the, the, the 3D modeling software, the computer stuff, you can 
you can light it and you can do all that. I actually prefer like lighting it in real life and manipulating the light source and, and kind of different filters and, and things like that. You can just play with it a mm, bit more in, yeah. in, in kind of when it's a real physical thing in front of you rather than the 3D stuff. So, um, and actually the kind of, a lot of the final sort of images I will end up working from, there will be the kind of model, but there will also then be, I might kind of composite in a background on Photoshop and then add sort of more layers in Photoshop. So they're kind of, the, the paintings aren't completely dogmatic towards the models they're not just a kind of a copy of the, the kind of model themselves there is a, a few more layers kind of that go on top but the models are really great yeah, starting point yeah, um, yeah. and just to kind of understand sort of form and you know tone and, and, and lighting and all that stuff they're, they're a really great tactile thing to kind of to work from mm -hmm. and is that why you um sort of process the photographs in in photoshop afterwards because you know you want to um get get something else out of it because if you're just sort of painting from life there's a, there's a there's a different feeling that you would perhaps otherwise get if you know if you were editing things in photoshop so you'd be able to put like sort of filters over it and that sort of thing yeah it's exactly that yeah i mean i um I'm I'm very not wary, but I'm I'm not interested in in it as in these models as a, as a still life. Mm. Obviously, there is it, it kind of is in a way, but I'm interested in kind of like it being a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, and it's not for me like a completely academic exercise of just making a model and then transcribing it into to paint. It's I like the again like the kind of the interest for me is kind of around the, the sort of edges of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so like the actually kind of, you know, because when you you you, you say you, you build the model, you light the model, you create the scene, you photograph the model, that's kind of like half of it, and then you you pull it into to Photoshop, and then you sort of tweak it, and you tweak the colours, and you tweak the the kind of lighting, and you you add extra layers, you can change the background, you change the foreground, you can kind of you know sort of blur bits out, you can add more depth, you know. There's a lot of stuff to kind of go sort of post post the kind of the photography, and then it's only at that stage once I've kind of gone through that on the computer that I'll then actually start kind of painting. It's 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 it just it, for me. I just don't just take a photo. And then kind of do the painting from the photo, mm. and you'll see that in the work. Like I, I post um, quite often images of the models in the kind of photography stage, and then in, in themselves, they're nice photos and they're nice kind of objects. But they're always very different from the actual, the finished paintings. Mm. Um, you know, so there's there's a longer kind of process involved, but it does tend to start with this kind of physical model. Mm. They kind of remind me a bit of, um, there's some really um, great sci-fi series from the 1960s that I really like, Thunderbirds and um, and the UFO series um, created by Jerry Anderson. And he and his team, they, they would actually make a lot of the models by hand, physically by hand. And some of them would, would be so small, but when you watch them on screen, they obviously look, look a lot larger. And I think that there's a similarity between that kind of way of constructing models and creating a kind of an illusion of you know space and depth and um, you know and, of, and also of object in relationship to your paintings as well and what they would do as well they, they would add like kitchen utensils so like lemon squeezers you know or something and you sometimes sort of spot that in the actual physical models themselves and really really clever way of working uh, and I, I think I can see that in, you know in your paintings as well and these um, I mean I'm just looking at a work here and you can kind of tell that it's it's not real but at the same time your your eye kind of wants to wants to believe it's real yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Thunderbirds thing because yeah, yeah. I mean as a as a kid I grew up watching the reruns of, of Thunderbirds uh, yeah. on sort of BBC Two or wherever it was yeah um, and my my dad was like really into it when it originally came out and so I kind of grew up a lot with with that sort of sort of stuff um, which I enjoyed immensely as a, a sort of child child um, so yeah I I, I I like that kind of 
the sort of the physicality in the, in those sort of sort of programs and yeah the, there's an element of sort of I suppose crappiness to them in, in a in a good way <laughs> yeah, though, in a, in a yeah. and you do start to yeah. know, you know you notice the odd thing that, that yeah that, that like, kind of like a lemon squeezer yeah, you know, or something yeah, like that a rocket engine or whatever yeah, yeah it's kind yeah. of yeah and but I think that's part of the charm yeah yeah I, I think um, yeah I think with the 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 model with the paintings it's it's kind of trying to be enough of a reference to to the model, um, but then trying to elevate it beyond the model. Mm. And so, you know, like the one we're looking at the moment, um, you know, you can see that it's kind of made of cardboard, but you don't really get quite the same. It's the sense of the scale of it. Um, mm. And I'm trying to sort of play with those sort of perceptions of, of sort of scale and, and kind of monumentality, I suppose, with, with the kind of work and, and whether you can elevate, you know, something that is made out of cardboard and twigs or, or whatever it is to mm. to a kind of a slightly more kind of epic sort, sort of level. Um, so, yeah, that's very much like kind of sort of at the forefront of my mind it's kind of how to push it you know it it would be it would be very easy to just make kind of sort of quite realistic paintings of models and that'd be your thing and you'd be the the painter that paints models mm. and it'd be cute and it'd probably be quite commercial and you'd probably yeah, that actually there's there's probably a lot of viability in that mm. but i'm trying to kind of take it beyond there and add this extra kind of atmosphere into them and kind of just sort of, you don't want to go down the kind of nostalgic route, which mm. it could easily be, yeah. be quite easily um, yeah. to do. So I'm kind of trying to push it away from there and add a, an extra depth of, of, of kind of, so make them more emotive, I suppose, and, and yeah. kind of play with people's perceptions a bit more. Um, mm. And so it's so that's the kind of balancing sort of point between, between kind of just transcribing the model yeah. into paint mm. and actually sort of then pushing it further and trying to create something that has its own kind of mood and its own slightly something that the viewer has to question a little bit and it, and it's not it's not overly descriptive mm. I suppose yeah and in terms of trying to push that forward do you think that you're doing that in the way you're painting and by that I mean um you know the way you're using oil paint for example which I think is it's it's a kind of a similar way of working to a lot of the romantic painters you know from from times gone by people like John John Constable um, Turner um, do, do you think that that you're doing it in that way uh, as well yeah I think I'm working in in a fairly sort of um, traditional way it's lots of layers mm. it's um, sort of you know glaze layers as well and trying to get a bit more of that as my kind of technical ability kind of you know sort of progresses and trying to, to work a bit more of that into it and to add sort of depth and um, you know it's not overly sort of thick paint it's not overly sort of expressionist as they're getting bigger then there are is more room for marks to kind of come in because I think you need that on, on the bigger bigger works yeah but they're still quite um, subtle in, in a way they're not like overly um, sort, of, sort of heavy kind of mark making they're, they're quite they're still quite subtle um, and yeah so it's, it's about sort of building up yeah again building up layers trying to add that sort of depth into the painting you know the, the one thing that that is probably quite literal from from the models is I do want a sense of the kind of three dimensions um mm. and really actually try and kind of make them sort of sort of pop in, in kind of three dimensions on the on the canvas on the board and um but again you know it's all it, you just build up that that sort of skill as you make more and more yeah, sort of paintings yeah, yeah and this this way of working is very different um to some of the first works uh, of yours that i saw i think maybe three years ago now in the zap open 2015 where you had i think you were painting on on the book covers on on the sci-fi book book covers um i think the names of them were i think yeah the what yeah, the two that you had one was called distant lands after tim white and the second one was end of the line after chris foss were, were they the two two authors of the novels? They were the two illustrators, yeah, of, the the, illustrators. Of, the, um, of the covers, yeah. Mm. So I um, I did a series of works which were 
um, basically painting directly onto paperback, uh, found paperback novels. Mm. Um, they were kind of just found from charity shops or eBay or, or wherever, mm. um, and they were usually generally a little bit tatty because they were from the 60s or 70s or 80s or something like that. So uh, yeah, series of um, series of paintings from that. Um, I basically painted essentially over any reference to the book title, any reference to spaceships or moon bases or <laughs> you know warrior women or whatever is on the front of these covers, which was a lot of random stuff as you can, can imagine. Yeah. Um, so what you were kind of left with was just the the landscapes. So um, they were quite meticulously sort of painted and and tried to match the colours of the existing novel covers so it was basically you were just left with these kind of quite empty sort of landscapes um, that were on one hand quite sort of sci-fi because of the the colours were quite bright and it had kind of you know quite exaggerated sort of features but on the other hand because there was no kind of inherent references to sci-fi left they could have kind of been a landscape just yeah. a, a sort of exaggerated landscape so I like the tension you had between the, the kind of the, the sort of two um, between yeah you know the actual cover itself and then the, the, the kind of edited version of it um, and that, again it's exploring similar themes and it's kind of working on those sort of perceptions um, and but obviously that was kind of using sort of sort of found imagery um, as a series of works I really really liked them and I did a did a lot of them because they were obviously quite small quite sort of simple to, to sort of do um, and they were almost kind of when they were sort of framed and, and sort of you know on their own they're kind of almost jewel like you know with the bright colours and then mm. you know quite little blocks of of colour you know they're really nice um, nice as objects um, but I found I think that was kind of probably one of the turning points that led me on to kind of going more into the, the model making side of stuff was because there was some a with the paperback sort of covers it was it was almost like it was a good it was a good idea it was a sort of little gem of an idea and they looked brilliant but where do you go from there you know you can't scale it up really or I thought about scaling up but it doesn't really work in the same way and it's like do you just spend the next five years just painting over tiny paperback covers which just didn't really hold any any interest um but the kind of the idea of the landscape and the idea of the the kind of the exaggerated the romantic the kind of almost sort of fake kind of landscape was 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 still there um so i think that kind of for me was a it i i really i you know i think they're lovely objects but it was kind of a bit of a dead end for me with, with regards to sort of how to move it forward and I think any if I went any further into it you're just then starting to to just play with kind of found imagery like I did a similar thing um, just editing the images on Photoshop or just finding sci-fi images quite slick hyper real sci-fi images and doing the same thing but doing that on Photoshop so mm -hmm. editing out all the the kind of the sci-fi references um, and again, kind of look, look, they're interesting and they look great, but it's just, I think I could only take it so far and it just, it didn't, didn't seem to me to be sustainable. Um, whereas I think with the models, I found a way of working that I a, really enjoy building them. Um, they're all sort of references and take from all these kind of other things but it's kind of tweaking it in my own sort of way and on my own terms and there's a lot of control in that like you know when it comes down to the lighting and all that you're not relying on how good your image you found on google is you're kind of you can make up what you need to make and you can then and you can do that with the final painting sort of vaguely in mind so you can kind of understand what would make a good painting even at that stage because you know what it's like to paint them. So it becomes this sort of cyclical kind of conversation between kind of building them, painting them, and then next one you are building it, but you're building it with the previous painting in mind. So you'll kind of then start to build more 
to work with painting so the models like now I'm even painting the models in oil paint so I'm using the same sort of pigments in the models that I might then use in the painting so it kind of just sort of starts to lend itself to painting a bit Mm. more so it, it's really interesting how the painting then kind of comes back around. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you've mentioned um, that, that this idea, I mean, you've been working with it for like three years and it's clearly sustainable. So so what's next? I mean, how, 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 how much further are you going to be taking it now? So I think for me, it's kind of, it's sort of reached a point where I know I can make small paintings of, of small models I can do that yeah. you know reasonably well and that's great like you know I think they're lovely lovely things but again it's like as a painter as an artist it's a slight lack of challenge I suppose so it's kind of how to scale it up and then but the problem with that is I've done bigger paintings of really small objects so I've done a painting of a of a um of, a, of an object that was 15 by 20 centimeters and I've done that as a finished painting I then tried to do this exactly the same work exactly the same image blow it up and it was about one meter 20 or something like that you know quite for me quite big um and it just didn't translate um I think there wasn't enough information in the, the kind of the, the small model um to kind of to justify the size of it and you didn't have enough depth in the, the texture or, or it was just too simplistic to work on a big scale and I, I'm very much aware about avoiding the kind of first year sculpture kind of BA sort of thing where you take something small and you make a big version of it mm. it's just doing that paint basically yeah, yeah. Um, which just holds no interest for me and you lose a lot of the intimacy of the small ones so with that in mind, it's like, well, how do you, how is it kind of scalable? Because um, I, I kind of think for my own sort of ambition and my own sort of just wanting to learn to paint, I think the, the bigger stuff is something I can't ignore. So I think there's a few ideas I've got milling around where I just create more ambitious sort of scenes. So it could still be like a kind of one-to-one scale sort of translation, but the model itself is much bigger, um, or it's it's lots of different models working together in a in a composition, you know. So it's just how quite to kind of tally all that together. Because the nice thing about painting like one object in a you know in a in a quite simple way is that actually you, you don't really have to worry too much about composition. Mm, it's kind of like yeah. the comp the the focus point is the object. Mm, that that's it yeah, really. You know. Yeah. Once you start to add you know, three, four, five, six, seven elements into the same painting, your compositional skills mm. need to up yeah. of themselves. So mm. that's something that I'm I'm sort of thinking towards. And, you know, it, I, you could theoretically, you, you could build like a complete kind of landscape um, in a kind of model um, and then sort of paint from that. And there are artists that do that. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's that's where it's headed. I think it's mm. still maybe going to be elements of the landscape rather than a complete landscape. Yeah. Um, I mm. think I don't necessarily want to get to the point where I'm painting fake landscape paintings from big landscape models. I don't mm. think that's it. Yeah, I think yeah. there's something in between the two, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, so mm. that's something to that will be explored. Um, and um, sort of see how how that goes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could you could always zoom in on particular paintings, like like this one, for example, uh, which we're looking at here. Uh, what's the name of this one, Tom? Um, this was um, study for a landscape. Study for a landscape. Yeah. I mean, you could always zoom in on a part of it and see what you find there, but um, it all depends on what you want to do and then you've got some that you're working on at the moment which, which are much smaller and they they look like they've been zoomed in I don't know whether you've worked um, from the from the from, um, worked on these from drawings or if you've um, 
yeah work, worked on them from from models have you the, the, these ones as well um yeah these are also models, models um, as well, yeah. yeah they're kind of just a bit sort of tighter in the cropping mm, kind of sense yeah. um i think you know i usually have maybe a bit more sort of empty space mm. around them yeah um, i was going to say because the larger ones do look like they've got a lot more depth and yeah. there's something quite haunting about the larger ones like you want more you you want something else to be in there um but there's just there's just nothing there and yeah it's kind of quite haunting whereas the smaller ones appear as though they're looking like studies i think rather than paintings but that's probably because of the just because of the pencil lines there but yeah i i think you could definitely build up a body of work which is uh, which contains you know the smaller paintings definitely yeah, I think that that's something I'm I'm interested in the idea of, of sort of bringing a few of the elements all together mm. in such a way that it works on a bigger scale. But like I said, it's, it's still not like a, a tri- you know it's not it's not an overly traditional landscape. Yeah. There's, there's still still quite obvious they're separate entities, but they kind of coexist in the same space. So it's just how you you sort of square that composition really, which is. But you know, it's all stuff to to try out and yeah. set up and just try a few different sort of things. Um, so you can see just on the um, the background over here. So I I, I created a it's actually a, a backdrop that I'm I painted for the existing kind of models. So I mm. I photographed the models in front of a of a of a sort of basic landscape sort of painting of some mountains and and whatever the foreground is in that um, and a bit of sky nice bit of gradient in the sky and that itself that landscape was taken from um, Google Maps so sorry Google Earth which is the 3D sort of version of Google Maps so yeah, yeah. you can kind of go into anywhere on the, on the planet and you can kind of look and move around and you can kind of sort of you can sort of create your own little vistas um, of these sort of landscapes and you can move around and you can, you can change the angle and stuff so you can kind of create these sort of weird sort of they're, they're, they're obviously based on real parts of the earth so mm. they take the the kind of satellite data and, and whatever else data they use and they create this 3D sort of map so you're kind of going in and you're sort of taking something that is a copy or a, a, a kind of facsimile of a real place mm. that they've kind of created in this sort of computer sort of software and you're going in and you're finding a sort of view of it and angle of it and something that kind of is generic enough to look like it could be any any sort of drawing of a mountain it's not specific it's not like Everest or it's not like it's you know a famous mountain it's just yeah. these quite sort of um, sort of generic sort of mountains and so you're then so I'm sort of taking that and then painting that as a as a sort of fairly straight landscape, mm. I suppose, but then yeah. that just exists as a backdrop to some of the other stuff that's going on. So mm. that that for me is 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 quite interesting, and I think another way that I can explore what I'm exploring, but without purely being the physical models, you yeah, know, yeah. other elements that yeah. that I still find fascinating. I think so, yeah. um, I'm not sure whether there would ever be enough in that to to be just a, a kind of finished sort of painting like yeah. you know theoretically you could just kind of take these views and and then just finish them off and and do them you know a mm. nice size and, and stuff and that'd be that'd be fairly straightforward landscape yeah. painting with yeah. a, obviously the twist of the fact where they've come from yeah um but i just don't know whether there's enough of my own interest in that to actually go through painting one yeah as a, as a finished yeah. yeah because because there's something quite I think personal between you and the model and the painting whereas when you when you just sort of go onto Google Google Earth and you're just sort of searching around it's almost like you're um, disconnected between you and the landscape whereas r romantically I think that there is something quite personal between you and the model you and the painting you know in these other works with that focus on the models, whereas here there's not there's not really anything yeah. personal there. If you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, I mean that you know that that is actually it, it's almost 
like it, it is a backdrop it almost looks like a backdrop it doesn't look like a, a painting yeah it, it doesn't feel like there's no real focal point to it or anything no. like that it's just yeah. it's kind of like and even if i you know finished it off a bit better you'd still wouldn't have you know anything to really grip onto they're mm. kind of this they're, they're, they're like a matte painting back in you know when they used to paint the big dra- backdrops for film and theatre and, and yeah. you know so yeah. it's that sort of idea essentially but for a tiny model mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah so you're right there's, there's not there's not as much kind of hold to those um, and I think yeah there is, there is something I think the, the kind of hand crafted nature of the models gives a certain kind of I suppose kind of weird kind of pathos a slight kind of tragic nature to them mm. so they're kind of a bit sort of rubbish and a bit funny and a bit you know sad and but that's kind of part of the charm of them yeah and I think, yeah yeah without that it's kind of it's sort of lacking yeah yeah I think so and could you talk a bit uh, more about your some of your model paintings so um I think there was one called was it called hollow I think there was one called was it hot yeah hollow uh, that was the first one that I asked you about, and amongst thorns, and empty mountain, which I think is this one here. But yes, if you could talk about hollow, which I think is in the John Moore's, right? Um, that yeah. Was, yeah, that yeah. one. So hollow, in the John, um, John Moore's painting prize. Yeah, hollow was um, was in, or well, it still is in the, the John Moore's, um, which runs um, until sort of mid November. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's on display. Um, so so yeah that that's really small that's like 15 by 21 centimeters mm. um it's probably about the smallest of, i kind of tend to paint um and that is um it's of an empty um it's so it's basically again based on a model um the model was a kind of base it's a, it's like a sort of empty hollow sort of dead kind of tree trunk which is just literally sitting on its own in a in a very sort of empty sort of sort of landscape um, yeah, that again, you know, is, is it was part of a series of works I did a couple, um, a couple of years ago now, um, and that was um, again similar similar sort of things. So I had sort of fake kind of trees and fake rocks, and polystyrene and, and, and bits of wood, um, and so hollow was kind of one um, that sort of actually there were going to be a couple based on the same model, but the the other one didn't the composition just was, was rubbish so um I, I ended up hollow sort of actually weirdly sort of ended up standing completely alone um as a sort of painting um but yeah i think um it's got a real i mean you, you don't you don't tend to get it in the even in photos um on on the internet or you know sort of print um there's a real mistiness to these kind of paintings um mm. especially the small ones especially that that series um yeah they're almost the, the tonal um range is very tight so mm. um they kind of it's it gives this really hazy kind of misty appearance um but it's not achieved by glazing um because previously i've come from working with acrylics where you just don't really glaze um just didn't work that well um i kind of learned a bit of a way to sort of paint which was just painting with a very tight tonal range so the final sort of sort of piece would would have this sort of mistiness to it um which is just achieved because there's, there's very little contrast um so um so yeah so in the, in the flesh they've, they've got this sort of um sort of slightly hazy soft kind of mess to them um which is i mean that series was quite extreme i mean seeing it when i went to liverpool and seeing it again which I hadn't seen for a while because it gets taken out for a long time in the, the various stages of the composition competition um seeing it again seeing it along, alongside other <laughs> paintings you kind of realize just how sort of hazy they, they are but um it's effective i think um you know, I think the the newer stuff still carries that through, but maybe it's a touch more more kind of contrasty, mm. Um, mm. but still, you know, still very yeah um, sort of tight kind of tonally. Yeah, definitely, um, and and you can see a kind of a haze um, like around the branches, it's almost as if as if they're glowing in a way um, through through maybe fog or mist. 
Um, and that's something that, that you don't get actually in in the um, you know in the sort of backdrop style works at all. Yeah, you don't really get that kind of haziness. Yeah, um, I mean it, that yeah. one's like a very very like yeah. straight sort yeah. of almost Bob Ross kind of style yeah. of, uh, <laughs> sort yeah. of landscape. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you know, but like that was always like just this. Yeah. This mm. backdrop now, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're painting amongst things. Uh, um, was that from the same series as Hollow? Uh, it's amongst thorns. Oh, amongst thorns. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> um, no, that was an earlier one. That was actually one of the acrylic um, ah, ones. Ah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that was that was in the Collier Bristow show. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, there were two. There were two of that series. Um, this was my earlier. This was these were actually it was the first one I I based on a physical model. Oh, um, right, yeah. So it was a, a geodesic sort of dome um, within a kind of sort of forest sort of setting. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my previous stuff before I kind of sort of started to work exclusively with the, the kind of idea of sort of landscape. I was working with um, much more architectural sort of stuff. I mean, still within this kind of almost slight kind of fantasy, utopian sort of idea of these, you know, um, sort of sort of places that that don't really exist, but they're they're the kind of imagined sort of place. So, I did a, a few sort of ones of you know your your sort of pretty standard modernist ski chalets mm, and, yeah. and all that stuff. That everyone loves, and then. Um, yeah, geodesic domes. Um, that's always trendy as well. Um, did a did some of those. <laughs> yeah, this was a, this was a few years ago. But um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, you know all that sort of stuff, which um, which is very visually appealing. Yeah. Um, very visually appealing, and yeah. that's why a lot of painters sort of work with it. Um, and very good for painting because you know if you look at the modernist stuff, you've got some very nice sort of like straight lines and blocks of colour yeah, and yeah. and. Yeah. And, and you know just like a lone house you know in a, in a sort of empty setting it's just it's just good visual impact um, and and again geodesic domes especially in that kind of 60s sort of utopian sort of way they're all like these kind of bodged together with all these amazing coloured panels and painted and all this sort of really exciting and just lends itself to painting doesn't it you know yeah. sort of you know big geometric shapes big yeah. blocks of colour yeah, yeah. good good fun so yeah. Um, so yeah so that was um, that was um, yeah that was one of those um, and it was within this kind of sort of spooky sort of forest sort of setting that was quite interesting because that was because coming off the back of the 3D stuff and coming off the back of the architectural stuff I mean that model was like ridiculous it took me like a month to make this oh. this model um, yeah. and it was a beautiful thing and it was like it's why the models now are kind of deliberately crappy because it just took so long and again I ran into half the problem that I was having with the 3D models is just this thing was so straight and you know well put together that it just didn't lend itself yeah, that well to yeah. painting so yeah. um, again like the, the beauty of it I think is the, the kind of slight sort of falling apart nature of the models the slight like kind of run down sort of nature of them mm. so so yeah that was um that was my first kind of for, foray into the the modelling side of stuff, um, and they, and and they, they were acrylic, so this was before I was painting in oils, and again I had this quite tight tonal range in them, and they're quite effective, quite matte almost for, for acrylic. You know, they don't have that plasticiness that you can get with, yeah. with acrylic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, that was a yeah. Oh, yeah, and for, for your paintings, you know, you've talked about um, the, you know you reference films and video games and that sort of thing. Is is there anything in, in particular that have that have influenced you over, over the past few few years? I wouldn't kind of. I suppose I wouldn't. Maybe influ maybe in influence is the wrong word, but or something that you've perhaps seen that's maybe sort of stuck in stuck in your mind. Yeah, I think Maybe there's, there's it's probably it's, the right term. I think what I'm trying to do is is sort of it's 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 kind of not go for specifics. I'm trying to distill stuff into a more kind of general sense. Mm. Um, so you know, like I did a, a few ones that were kind of like um, sort of based on sort of Western um, sort of films of 
this again was a few years ago and, and they were just um, like this scene of like these, these empty um, sort of houses like you'd find on a, a sort of film back lot so you could see the fronts of the, the buildings but you couldn't mm. the backs weren't didn't exist they were just hollow sort of empty sort of, sort of yeah. banks and stuff and and so you're kind of trying to sort of distill you know loads of different sources of things that you just see again and again and these kind of archetypes you know you, yeah, you like the, yeah the kind of the, yeah. yeah like the western sort of sort of town or the, the kind of alpine sort of vista you know they're, they're just they're, they're sort of geodome thing yeah, which you know you've seen seen in films you've seen it everywhere yeah. you know they're yeah. repeated so yeah. so often in culture and that's kind of why I, I you see a lot of the same motifs kind of running through my work like you know the kind of lone tree or, or you know stuff like that because they are they are just these kind of like weird archetypal things that just sort of exist as part of our visual language you know yeah. like everywhere everything uses them like advertising films tv yeah you know photography just everything sort of has these in in the background or although you know so I'm, I'm kind of i'm not yeah i'm not like after kind of specifics yeah I'm kind of more interested in, a, in this sort of general general sense of the kind of the landscape and and the kind of you know the, the fakery of it and the, mm. the sort of artifice of it I think is the yeah yeah so yeah you're talking about um like the the archetype and how we we immediately recognize like certain things like the little house on the hill or you know even in a lot of these sort of sci-fi um films and television series they, they might have like a like a lone tree or a kind of a like a like a plasticky cave, you know, or something like that. Although it's interesting that you use cardboard there and not and not clay for your for your for your caves. Um, it's uh, is that because you wanted to get a more you were saying like sort of like a crappy feel to it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of like it's. I suppose it's giving the nice thing about cardboard, especially corrugated cardboard, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it's got an inherent texture. Yeah. So, and especially when you start to rip it apart, and bits are kind of like grainy, and bits are sort of quite sharp, mm. and there's all these sort of weird textures going on. So it gives it, and I suppose I think the idea. So this one's called Empty Mountain, and and the idea is it's it's, I actually built for a previous painting that never saw the finalised light of day unfortunately but um, I built this kind of cardboard mountain um, and then I did a series of paintings after it where I actually sort of slowly kind of destroyed it so there's, there's little left so there's enough for me anyway there's enough of a silhouette of a kind of a sort of mountainous kind of shape mm. um, but it's kind of sort of hollow and it's missing bits and it's all falling apart yeah. and it's kind of this um, yeah you've got this weird combination of I'm trying to replicate a certain essence of a kind of mountain so I'm trying to make something that's quite monumental and that's quite heavy and that mm. has weight but also at the same time it's made of cardboard and it's it's light and ethereal and it's so there's a bit of a kind of I suppose joke or yeah. kind of slight kind of comedy I know it's not funny <laughs> but there's yeah, a slight uh, you know dark, there's a slight bit of comedy yeah, to it so a I kind like, of a playfulness I think yeah and, you, and you could yeah. you could do it so, so you could make this sort of thing out of clay but then you've, you've just made a mountain out of something that's heavy mm. and is from the earth you yeah know? so I yeah. quite like the idea of actually having this stuff that is it's it's mm. trying to reference it um mm. but also kind of trying to be the other as well and something yeah. different you know yeah. so um yeah so yeah and how, how do you make the little rocks? Is that that one there's made out of polystyrene? Yeah. What about the um, yeah? So they're the, also polystyrene. The polystyrene yeah. as well. Yeah. You just you yeah. actually get um you get it's a hot wire cutter oh, that yeah. just carves through polystyrene really nicely. Oh. You get these really nice angles. Yeah. And then so you can have and where it cuts with the the cutter, it basically it makes it really smooth. So you'll have some faces of it which are really beautifully smooth. So you get these really mm -hmm. nice blocks of of light kind of reflecting off it and then you can kind of just 
other bits are going to be you can see the beads of the polystyrene so you get the roughness in there yeah so it's yeah. this nice nice actually it's nice it's, it's very sculptural yeah to, to it's, work very, with, it's very um, sculptural which is which mm. is quite quite tactile it's quite yeah enjoyable. yeah yeah and you're not entirely sure or at least i'm, I'm not entirely sure as like what it i mean I, know, I mean i know it's a rock but at the same time I think oh is it is it really a rock could it could it be polystyrene or so so you're playing it's it's a great way of playing I think with illusion as well you know the the illusion of space and the illusion of the landscape it's really interesting that one especially um, so we're looking at a kind of a sort of fake rock sitting on a a kind of base that's made of I think polyfiller and fake grass and polystyrene and the thing is you. Could, so it's supposed it's, it's a fairly I suppose it's a fairly realistic looking kind of rock almost mm, yeah but there's no weight to it you can see it's actually sitting <laughs> kind of on top of the grass like it's yeah. not if, if that was real it would have actually sunk quite far down into the into the, the support but it's sort of hovering kind of slightly over the top of it so it's got no weight to it so you yeah again you have this sort of this trickery and this kind of visual sort of pun almost um, you know it's kind of like yeah, is it isn't it kind of trying mm. to yeah get the viewer just to kind of question what they're what they're seeing what, what they're looking at yeah. and even this like you have you know you have this um this sort of model with this kind of base which is quite clearly fake and made of kind of cardboard and glue and stuff but then even then that's actually sitting on and the marks around the the the, the sort of the foreground are trying to again sort of represent potentially some some type of landscape because mm. there's it could be kind of grass or dirt yeah. or cracked kind of ground so it's not like it's this model in a pristine studio sort of shot there's kind of like so then you kind of question well, that makes even less sense doesn't it you know it's like kind of so it's a landscape within a landscape like yeah. what is the like you know yeah like why has this been placed in this like marshy sort of weird kind yeah. of it makes even less sense so I'm kind of yeah. just trying to yeah. To, to sort of question I think and that's reasonably new because some of the other ones there was there pretty much wasn't really a foreground there was just kind of like a sort of gradiated sort of background so it'd just be lighter in the foreground and then sort of go dark and I think I like the idea of suggesting something in the foreground yeah and the fact yeah well the fact that there's there's a bit of suggestion of like mist or fog like you've mentioned earlier but there's but there's no but there's nothing else beyond that that model i mean there's no uh, sky or yeah. or sort of mountains um and, and i'm guessing that, that there's a reason behind that because you want to isolate the model and also play play with the idea of the landscape as well and i guess it relates to that idea of the artificial landscape too um but i think if you had other things going on that were more suggestive in in the background it would just ruin the the whole thing completely i think well, well these are slightly more interesting because there's, there's there's very little going on in the background but even yeah. in this there's more going on in the backgrounds in these this series than the previous one so the mm. other ones were just very kind of sort of sort of flat and i've played around with backgrounds and like doing kind of cloth sort of drapery and, and kind of sort of molding sort of shapes into the cloth mm -hmm. so you've got something and like with the new ones there's this kind of this fake backdrop which won't look like that in the actual painting but there might just be I mean, this this sort of thing of getting enough of a hint of something else going on mm. and also just having something slightly behind it just does kind of add a bit more depth into the, the paintings so that's something I'm playing with at the moment um, but it's good I think it's gonna be hard to pull off without it just being yeah, I mean, it, you don't want obvious sort of mountains or something behind it because yeah. I think that then again yeah. takes away from the object. And, yeah, it and, does. It and, does. Mm. and I mean, at the end of the day, they're all just sort of like <laughs> filling in for landscape. So, yeah. so for me, like, I don't need to show like a, a proper sort of landscape painting because I think if you have a like a tree and a shadow and a bit of ground, then that's a landscape. Like, it's it's you know that's simple but essentially that's all the landscape is you have a background a foreground like you know an object like it's mm. like you know it's it's just sort of playing on that and, yeah and, yeah and you're not having to to get too caught up in the details of it i think so and with your playful nature of dealing with the landscape and 
the idea of illusion and trickery do you still see yourself do, do, do you see yourself as a romantic painter then you know or not I think I'm I'm sort of kind of firmly within a sort of romantic tradition I think I'm I always have used the word romantic in a very broad sense um, and I think it encapsulates you know like a lot of influences and again not just looking at painting I think I've got I think there's a there's a hopefulness to it I think there's a um, <laughs> despite the fact that they're quite bleak <laughs> I, know, I know like I know people people always um, I, I find them quite hopeful because I think there's still a joy in them they're kind of the painting of them there's still a, a kind of a respect for the the history of it yeah um, yeah I think yeah. that's kind of because I, yeah, I, I can see that I can't look at the kind of historic sources I look at the paints I look at and, and not kind of have like sort of deep found respect for what they've, they've done and how they paint and 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 that I think is is embodied in the work so I kind of want to I want to suppose paint to that sort of level though it does some sort of a bit of justice you know rather yeah. than sort of just kind of paint in an ironic sense or a you know or I just I say there's got to be enough there that like I said with the glazing and, and trying to sort of replicate to an extent you know certain ways of painting yeah yeah which is what a lot of the romantic painters of of the you know of years gone by used to do they kind of wanted to replicate the landscape in a way um does any of your kind of um maybe imagination is the wrong word but your mind creep in when you're painting or or are you directly painting kind of grid for grid from from the photograph or exactly from from the drawing that's that's printed on onto the painting or um, would, would you might sort of tweak something that's not in the photograph for example no, I mean there's always room for I think this is where the I suppose the fun part comes in is the there's always a I don't think photographs translate directly to painting you, you, you can do a photorealistic um, painting of a photograph like mm. obviously can be done yeah. um, but I, I think actually the act of painting itself warrants a little bit more than that so yeah. you know there's the, the kind of the the, the sort of the, the the source kind of photo that I work from will, will tend to give me enough information about obviously the shapes the light source light direction um, you know I, I, I sort of tweak the colours but they're not exact they won't always the colours won't always stay the same as, as the photos um, but then a lot of it will then get made up as your, your sort of painting some stuff won't work if you try and translate it so you, you kind of find a workaround um, you know like the foregrounds are, are tend to now basically just kind of make them up on the, the fly um, yeah, stuff gets tweaked up, so just doesn't work, and you, you work around it, and you mm. come back to it, and and you you know I think there's a, the elements of exaggeration, you know, mm, like in this yeah. one, like <laughs> the edges of the cardboard, you know, have been exaggerated to stick out a bit more, the kind of amount yeah. of glue on the things, yeah, more, you know, yeah. it's so you, you just tweak it. I mean, but that's the, that's the fun of it, the exaggeration. Like um, if you look at you know some of the the kind of painters, like I was thinking about um. Albert Beardstadt and like when when they went to um, Yosemite or wherever they were in the national parks in America and did these amazing um, sort of paintings of these they they the paintings were exaggerated forms of of the the places don't get me wrong they're, they're beautiful parts of the world but mm. the paintings like they were kind of adverts that they sort of brought back to to Europe and they showed everyone about this amazing new world and these like you know almost kind of weirdly hyper real paintings of, of sort of landscape and the, the, the exaggeration in there is, is fascinating because um, you know it's it's sort of taking one thing that is on its own quite glorious <laughs> like it's not a not a not bad um, sort of landscape and then they're kind of exaggerating it and heightening the colours and you know if you look at some of some of those paintings like the, the proportions of the cliffs are wrong and stuff like that they're all yeah. designed to kind of just sort of elevate it even mm. more even like trying to elevate something that's already pretty good you know so it's this sort of weird sort of thing um, 
And so that's kind of part of the fun of the painting, isn't it? To sort of tease things out, exaggerate where you need to, and, yeah. and kind of, and uh, yeah. So. Mm. And do you think that you'll still continue to exaggerate certain things in, in these smaller works? So behind us, there's a series of small paintings that Tom's working on at the moment. Um, he's only got to the well on some of them. He's just got to like the drawing stage. Um, so he just hasn't painted them yet. <laughs> but I just wondered if if you had any um, plans So for with these. these, with the scale of them, I mean the, the focal point is very much going to be the the objects. Mm. So which in this case, it's pretty much they're all trees. Um, they're all kind of cardboard, sort of pine trees. Um, mm. So um, yeah, they were basically I. Um, and just took a load of outlines of pine trees from from Google, and then um, sort of I painted some cardboard sheets, put them on, cut them up, and they're quite they're quite exact. They're quite like detailed sort of sort of stuff. So there's, there's quite a lot of detail in them, and kind of built them and and sort of lit them. So, so the predominant thing with these, they are going to pretty much be these sort of quite well lit trees in this sort of slightly surreal kind of landscape. Mm. Um, it's with these, I'm kind of interested how far I go with the landscape in the background, because uh, yeah. this is the ones that use the, the mountains we discussed earlier, uh, yeah, so yeah. it's, I think there will be a very slight hint to them, I don't think they will exist as as they're kind of seen, so I mm. think it's how I kind of consolidate all that, but the main, the main feature will be the trees, I'm kind of just interested in trying to get these because they're, you know, they're, they're quite beautiful little little models. They're, they've got these little edges of kind of corrugated cardboard to them, which mm. is really nice. They've mm. got um, these, you know, the colours are very nice. Again, these were painted in oil, so you've got this really nice sort of slight kind of matte sort of, or a bit of a sheen where it's soaked into the cardboard. It's a really nice tactile sort of thing to paint. Um, and the lighting brings out a lot of the, the kind of, the, the form and stuff. So. So yeah, I think the, the predominant thing about, about these will be the, the trees, um, but I mm. think there'll be going to be a slight relationship with the, with the background and mm. how I kind of mm. consolidate. And are you going to continue with that sort of muted, um, quite, I don't know, I don't want to sound too um, upsetting, but quite a sort of a sombre <laughs> colour palette? I mean, I know that this um, this study here is a bit more bit more bright, but it's, it's still quite sort of muted com yeah. compared to a lot of your previous works from like three or four years ago where you were, were painting with sort of high, highly saturated uh, you know acrylics do you think that you'll continue using the muted yeah I think the, the I suppose the reason they're quite muted is the the way I kind of like them does lend mm. itself because you do end up with quite a dark background yeah and you know the they are representations of nature so you yeah. are going to get browns you are going to get greys yeah, you are going to get yeah. greens like like that's not like um they're not really bright pink you know no, like that's no. just a, the reality of it so yeah. i think the there's a reason for the the kind of mutedness and also you know it's like well you're still kind of getting to grips with the pain you know a limit palette does make it a lot easier and, and kind of you know limit tonal sort of range so i, I think like there is there's definitely room to kind of expand sort of palette but mm. again it's like how like there's there's plenty of like ways you could go with this you know like, like looking at that one there you know you, you could do these sort of californian sort of scenes in the, the similar idea and you could have lots of beautiful blues and, and all that sort of stuff mm. but like that's not really it's just too like it's too obvious it's isn't too it? obvious yeah. yeah i'm kind of like yeah. i'm not like yeah and they're not it's too obvious i think exactly. there's again like there's a there's a kind of there's a quietness to them mm. which which the palette is really really it sort of hinges on that really i suppose is a, mm. there's a mutedness to them so they're you know like we discussed the idea of the the backdrop or the kind of the matte painting the backgrounds you know it's it's they're sort of supposed to sit a level they're not attention grabbing they're not supposed to be this so they kind of sit like a sort of level back i suppose from from a lot of other painting they just sort of exist and they do their sort of thing but they're not they're not trying to they're not screaming at you you know they're just yeah. kind of sort of sitting there i think that's really part of the power i think so of why yeah. they're emotive is because they're not they're not like you know it's not 
overly saturated palette and it's, it's yeah. just they're just simple and, and mm. quiet you know mm-hmm. and you've got some photographs on your studio wall of um, mountain mountain landscapes have they also informed um, some of these similar um, works that you've been doing here or are they just um, sort of reference points maybe yeah I think they're, they're it's a mix so some of them are postcards so postcards I've collected ah. on various sort of sort of travels so they're vintage postcards yeah um, so the colours are really nice in the, the mm. sort of 70s sort of stuff this sort of weirdly it's got kind of like a yellowy yeah, orangey feel but again warm. it's it's got quite a nice um sort of like mute is it maybe mute yeah maybe muted is the right word actually yeah. like with that one there yeah. i <laughs> i know people can't can't see <laughs> but um it's got a kind of like a yellowy kind of orangey um kind of warm tinge to it whereas some of the others look very um like highly saturated yeah. and and uh, and that's not the and that's not the um, that's not what what you want out of your landscapes. But maybe you could explore something with a kind of a yellowy orangey tinge that's that's got some some colour to it, some sort of blue. Yeah, and vibrancy, I mean actually, but like yeah, th- there's one there specifically which has got this sort of slightly almost sepia kind of quality to it. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's about the the blues and stuff, and there's, it's lighter as well in tone. Like there's a lot lighter, a lot paler. Um, so yeah, I think you know if anything, something like that would would probably like translate. Um, but I'm I yeah I can't see going really hyper and saturated. Yeah. Anytime yeah. soon. I think um, so. Mm. But yeah, they they're nice reference to have. I think the obviously they they you know they're fairly straightforward landscape sort of photographs. I'm that's not why paint but yeah. I mean, there's always that that <laughs> reference back and forth yeah yeah um yeah it's quite nice to have a couple of photos that i've taken um of my own sort of trips um on, those are actually done on film back in the day um and yeah so yeah. nice and is that one of your what's that photograph there is that one of your early models i know one? that's another artist who oh, right. models so that's what i was kind of discussing when we talks about the idea of making like a huge mm. like really in-depth model kind of landscape yeah um but again i don't think that's that's where i'm, no. I'm sort of headed yeah um, yeah so so yeah there's there's yeah it's always good to have these sort of things around even if it's stuff you don't end up doing but you know stuff that you is is of interest but is not where you're headed i think yeah. it's still quite relevant to have around you know Mm. and um, and which artists have influenced you um, over the past like several years especially in in relationship to the to the model paintings yeah I think with the the model stuff is 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 quite interesting specifically because there are a few artists that are working with the with their own kind of constructed sort of models Um, Johnny Green's probably a really good example. Um, his kind of, I, d- I don't know what you, I'd almost call them characters, I suppose, his, his sort of little monsters or, or, or the kind of creations he sort of makes, um, obviously like rendered ridiculously well, you know, and really like beautiful, um, beautifully painted. Um, but that like, that idea of like plasticine and blue tack and, and all that sort of stuff, the kind of, it just lends itself very well to to kind of painting so i think um i think when i sort of started a few years ago on this sort of thing he was he was an artist i was i was definitely looking at um and um obviously subject matter is very different um you know um and colors and stuff are very different but they're kind of this this sort of the element of the slightly kind of crummy model held together with like masking tape and stuff that was really interesting. Um, Neil Gould as well, um, sort of similar sort of sort of thing with all the, the kind of like ping pong balls and the masking tape and stuff. And just again, like exquisitely rendered and like really well lit and you know sort of just quite simple um, sort of sort of ideas. Um, so from a kind of obviously the subject matter is very different, um, but from a sort of process point of view, you know, there's a lot of artists out there that are kind of working in a similar way and, and kind of in, enjoying it. Though, though saying that, I think looking at 
Johnny Green's recent stuff on Instagram seems to be actually going towards the 3D model mm, side right. of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. again, that's really interesting because mm-hmm. having myself come away from that is, yeah. is quite interesting to see. Mm. Um, so yeah, so probably yeah, a couple of obviously historic point of view. You know, Casper David Friedrich. Um, you know, is the daddy of romantic yeah. <laughs> painting yeah. um, but also um, I went and saw the Thomas Cole show at the National Gallery yeah. Um, yeah. and that was really interesting um, it was interesting probably more so the fact they had some of um, Frederick Edwin Church's paintings there they had a couple of those which um, you know are it's fascinating seeing there was one in the, the flesh which was these kind of um, sort of pine trees against this pink background like and it was so lurid this pink background it was like a kind of sort of 70s prog rock album cover it was like really yeah. like you yeah. know pops and you think like back in like you know whatever century it was when this was painted <laughs> that would have been like shocking like yeah. it was really like extreme like okay. you know this sort of fantastical sort of landscape so so yeah some beautiful stuff um yeah wow wow and, uh, and what projects have you got coming up currently? Um, I know you've got, you're currently showing in the John Moore's Painting Prize. Um, do you have any other shows coming up? Or um, I've got an, another show on at the moment in um, the old lockup gallery in Cromford in Derbyshire. Yeah. Um, with a few other um, you know, kind of contemporary British painters. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandy Payne. Yeah, um, yeah Mandy. And Rachel Pinks have curated mm-hmm. that, um, yeah. and there's a few others in there as well. So that's that's good. So that's on um, till um, sort of start of November. Okay, um, yeah. So got that Sounds on. Good. Um, couple of other things, kind of not a hundred percent confirmed yet, but potentially in the pipeline. So good. so yeah. Um, but quite looking forward to getting my head down in the studio and yeah. kind of making some some painting. Yeah. yeah. So oh, great. that's the aim for the next few months. Oh, mm. Great. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Tom. No worries, thank Thank you very much. You're welcome. in conjunction with the Prizeman Seabrook Art Collections. For more information, please visit www.prizeman-seabrook.org.